Welcome to this week's podcast at Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. For freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Christ has set us free. It's not a question. But we have a tendency to enslave ourselves. Sometimes into old patterns. But that's coming from Galatians. Often what we enslave ourselves with and what I've kind of seen, and maybe you've seen this over the last couple years. You ready for this? The acts of the sinful nature. Hatred. See any hatred in our culture? Not in the church, though. Discord? Jealousy? Fits of rage? Selfish ambition? Dissensions? Factions? We can keep going. Envy? And then it goes on, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. What enslaves us? Often what enslaves us, it's not behavioral. It's emotional. I got to be honest with you, the message I'm about to share with you today, I hate and hated when I first heard it. See, I'm sorry, I like to memorize scripture. I like to stay in that meditative state. I don't want to acknowledge emotion. Because listen, I'm fine. How you doing, brother? Better than I deserve. I say that all, some of you guys know because I say that to you. I know what I deserve. I'm doing better than I deserve. You know what that is? That's called a cop-out because you care about me. And, and, I, and maybe you've been praying for me and you know what's going on and you're like, listen, hey, how are you doing? And what do we do? We minimize. Hey, I'm fine. I'm a man. I don't feel emotions. I don't feel hurt. I just got it together. Kind of like Batman. You know Batman? I mean, this guy goes out there as a vigilante to fight crime, but what's, what's underneath it? Lost his dad. Lost his mom. Killed right in front of him. You don't think that affected him? You don't think that drove him? No, but listen, I'm just fighting crime. I'm just saving the world. But see, underneath all of that is an imposter syndrome because you're trying to perform to get away from what you feel. And so in this series, usually, you know, what we do if you're new to Bergen Park Church, we try to walk through books of the Bible. But in the summertime, sometimes we just pick up little series and themes. And today what we're looking at is this idea of emotional health. Because see, to be spiritually healthy, you've got to be emotionally healthy. Now let me prove that. Love God. Jesus said two commandments, right? You guys probably got these. First one is to love God, right? Heart, soul, mind, strength. And where does that show up? Love your neighbor as yourself. So we got actually three relationships. We got to love God. That shows up in how I love my neighbor. But how I love my neighbor shows up in how I love myself. So if I don't love myself, I can't love my neighbor. If I don't love my neighbor, I'm not really reflecting the love of God. So it's got to start with God. We love because he first loved us. And so if he's loved me and I'm not loving, I'm not spiritually mature. The greatest of these 
is love. Hatred, discord, what's enslaving you? If we could just invite the Spirit right now and say, Father, would you, would you just in this time, this 30 minutes we set aside to hear from you, would you show me what is enslaving me? You've set me free, Christ, but what's holding me back? And so I want to just pray over you and just invite the Spirit of God to say, hey, would you, would you reveal what you want to reveal? Is that okay? Let me pray for us. Father, um, Jesus, through your life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension to the right hand of the Father, your return, you've set us free. You've done everything we need for life and for godliness. And yet, Father, so often, instead of listening to your voice, we listen to the voice of the world. We shut the Holy Spirit out. We grieve the Spirit of God. And though we we may have the Word of God in our head, it's got nothing to do with our heart, and it's not showing up and changing our attitudes. And Father, we repent. We just repent. And that's beautiful because it means just to turn to you, to look at you. And as we look at your face, Father, we see you through the light of Jesus. We're covered in his righteousness. And so there's no no shame in that. There's guilt, but you cover us with forgiveness. And so, Father, meet us here. We need you. Show us what enslaves us in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Matthew 26. We're going to look at a number of, um, number of verses that really show us how Jesus processed what he felt and what he experienced. The first place we're going to go to is Matthew chapter 26. And in Matthew 26, this is the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. If you know that story, Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be accused. He's going to be persecuted. There's a lot of bad stuff coming. He knows it's coming. How does he respond? Because listen, he knows he's going to be resurrected. Come on. I mean, Jesus, I know he's human. He's God, right? He knows the story, which makes it even sometimes stranger. It's like if I knew the outcome, wouldn't I be just, hey, it doesn't matter. Jesus knows what's coming, and yet watch what happens. Matthew 26, verse 36. Matthew 26, verse 36. And then Jesus went with them, meaning with his disciples, to the place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here. While I go over there and pray. Verse 37. And taking with him, so he's not alone, I need people, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, he began, notice, to be sorrowful and troubled. I'd underline that phrase, sorrowful and troubled. Have you felt sorrowful? Have you felt troubled? Now, there's different ways to translate verse 26. I want to pull up a few of those for you. First of all, New Living Translation says, Jesus was anguished. You guys can pull that up on the screen and distressed. The good old King Jimmy says, Jesus was sorrowful. Is that up there? It's not up there. It's okay. He was sorrowful and heavy. The message says, he was plunged into agonizing sorrow. Do you know what it's like to feel heavy? So does Jesus. He knows what it's like to be overcome with grief, to be overwhelmed, to be afraid, to be sad, to be hurt. Do you normally associate that with Jesus? I mean, he's gonna be resurrected, folks. Why would he go through this trouble of feeling this stuff? Because he's human. And that's normal. 
when, when you're going to face crucifixion or you're just going to face betrayal, when you've been betrayed, somebody been betrayed in here? Stabbed in the back? Talked about? I mean, social media just blows that up, right? What do you feel? I feel overwhelmed. Question is, you feel it. Do you admit it? God's got no problem doing that. Isn't that amazing? This is God, because Jesus is fully human, fully God, right? So what does this tell us about God? God is not, God created emotion. God experiences emotion. Do you think of God that way? God expresses emotion. And as human beings created in the image of God, we feel emotion. The question is, are we honest? So let's go to another place. We're going to go back to Matthew 26 in the end, but let's Go to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 21. So we see distress, agony, overwhelmed. Luke 10, 21 says this, and at that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, so here, notice, full of joy, now why? I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you've revealed them to little children. So here's Jesus living life. God gives him a revelation of what he's doing and it results in joy in his heart. His heart is flooded with joy. And you know what joy needs? Expression. When there's a home run, what do you do? Golf clap. No, you, you, you celebrate. Because you cannot enjoy something without celebrating it and telling people about it. And so Jesus sees something, his heart's filled with joy, and his mouth shows up. So we see distress, joy. Luke 12, 50 says, I have, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it's accomplished. Now, he's not talking about being baptized by water. He's talking about being baptized by suffering. Something is coming that Jesus dreads. Have you been in a situation where you had to have that conversation, and you're dreading it, and you don't know how it's going to go? Or maybe it's a doctor's appointment. Or maybe you're going to go to your family and you need to talk about that thing you need to talk about. It's Thanksgiving or whatever it is and you don't want to deal with it. And that overwhelming sense of dread, how is this going to turn out? Jesus understands that. Now, we would think to be spiritually mature means you're not distressed about things that are coming. <laughs> right? I mean, let's be honest, right? I'm spiritually mature. I'm not worried about that. God's got it. Oh, okay, yeah, he's got it, but you're still human. Jesus was distressed about the suffering that was coming upon him. And notice, this is Luke 12. There's a lot of time before the cross is coming. So he's carrying that for, for years. Yet he was without sin. That's Jesus. How about John 12? John, I mean, John 12, John 2. And you guys know this one. Most of you, if you've been in the church long, we don't know what to do with this. John 2, verse 13. John 2, verse 13, the, the turning over the tables. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple he found, so he found a mess. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and money changers. So what's he going to do? Hey, guys, listen. Would you mind going? I mean, we need to be calm here, right? We don't know what to do with Jesus' anger. You know why we don't know what to do with Jesus' anger? Because you don't know what to do with your anger. So we don't know what to do with this. Notice what happens. Verse 15. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple. He's not just driving people. He's, there's sheep, there's oxen. He poured out the coins and the money changers, turned over tables. Jesus is 
angry. Now, notice, this is not rage. Rage is fear. Those of you that rage, you are so scared, you got to control the world. That's rage. This is anger. This is passion. Something is wrong, and I need to do something about it. And it goes on, verse 16. And he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Don't make my father's house into a house of trade. And his disciples remembered, notice this word, what was written, zeal. Zeal is passion. Sometimes has an idea of anger. There is something important, and I care about it, and therefore I am angry. That's what anger is. Jesus was angry. Now, we don't typically think of him that way. And then notice, let's go to the extremes. Okay, so we got anger. We got turning over temp, uh, tables. Then let's go to John 11. John 11, verse 32. Again, a very familiar story. Jesus is going to the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus has died, close friend. Mary, Martha, sisters. Verse 32. And now when Mary came to Jesus, where Jesus was and saw him, she just lost her brother. What's she gonna do? She's gonna be human. She fell at his feet. <laughs> saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And now watch Jesus' ability to connect to his emotion and to Mary. Where's Mary at? She's grieving. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, so he sees something, what happens? Emotions. It impacts you. Comes with grief. He was deeply moved. Now, Now that root word in the Greek means to snort. It's what a horse does. You know, a horse snorts. And that's kind of this guttural, it's a weird Greek word. It kind of has this idea of this deep response. Something deep within him came out, is the idea. And notice he was moved in spirit, not in his mind, he's in his heart, and greatly troubled. So this is what he's feeling. And so what does he do? He expresses, hey, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see, come and see. And notice verse 35, Jesus just, what did he do? He wept. Ugly cried is what that is. That's, that's what deeply moved means. And so the Jews said, see how much he loved him. How did they know? Because he talked about it? Posted on Facebook? They saw it. Dang. You must have loved him. No one cries like that unless you love him. And then watch this, verse 38. And then Jesus, again, and here's that word, deeply moved. He, this inner pain came out of him and it expressed itself in tears. And he came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and they laid a stone in front of it. I'm sharing these examples, and here's, here's the point. Jesus of Nazareth had a mission. He had a purpose, but he wasn't a robot. He was human. He was human. Jesus was a fully emotional human being who displayed a high awareness of his emotions. And the implication is, if this is how Jesus lived, and we're supposed to follow Jesus, that's what disciples are, right? Here we talk about being with Jesus, intimacy, becoming like, sanctification. I want to become like Jesus, and then I want to do Jesus stuff. Do what Jesus did. That's three, the three goals of a disciple. Become like, uh, be with, become like, and do what he did. Well, if I want to become like Jesus, and I'm going to love God, and I've got to love my neighbor... And then I gotta love my neighbor as myself. I need to be emotionally aware. Has that ever struck you? 
The reason it hasn't is you've been shaming yourself about what you feel for a long time. I'm just saying that because I do it. And I hate, can I be honest? It's Sunday. I don't know if that's allowed, but I hate to admit when you hurt me. It, and it's so sad. It catches me off guard. It's like somebody will hurt me. And you know what I do? I perform. I'm fine. I go run eight miles. <laughs> That's what I do. And then after eight miles, I, my heart checks in. Jason, that hurts you. No, I don't care about that guy. I don't care about that. Jason, Spirit's saying, that hurts you. It's okay. You're limited. You're not God. You're hurt. Would you just be honest? And so often the reason we don't feel our feelings is because we shame them, right? I mean, I do. I guess I'm the only one. I'm always talking to myself. There's a conversation up here. Just I'm stuck in my head. That's, what, that's where I am. I'm always stuck in my head. I got this, this tape playing about all my mistakes. And, or I minimize, right? And no big deal. Hey, listen, the grace of God is good. God's good. I know he's good, but you're still hurt. Those two things aren't, they they don't contradict. You minimize, or for most of us, we medicate. I mean, some of you love to work out, but some of you work out because you don't want to feel. Can we just be honest about that? And and that's me too. You know, the sad thing for me is the place I feel most myself is when I'm alone running. That's not good, guys. That's not good. If that's you, that's not good. Because you need people. And I don't care introvert, extrovert, that's not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about human. And I feel the best I possibly do when I'm, I'm totally alone from people because, see, I can be in control. I can be in control. So when we look at Jesus, if Jesus is the perfection of humanity, then we have to press into what he says, how he lives, and can we also admit how he feels? Because you cannot be emotionally and spiritually healthy unless you're emotionally mature. And how many churches have you been in where somebody has so much biblical knowledge, you're just amazed? But they're a jerk. That laugh tells me you you met him. (laughs) You are a jerk. And you, you get near that guy, and you're like, I ain't telling you about my sin. Why? Because you have wisdom. You are not safe. And yet, he'll become a deacon or an elder. Because we don't put up with sexual immorality, and we need to address that. We have no problem with bitterness in the church. We have no problem with anger, hatred, as long as it's hatred towards the right people, right? And we know who the right people are. I don't even have to mention who they are. Because in your mind, you already know. We know who we hate. See, Jesus said he set us free. And if he set us free, that means he set us free. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so if he set us free, then we have to be willing. And let me say this, it's scary to walk in freedom. Walking in freedom is difficult. It's frightening. But see, if Jesus has set us free, then we gotta trust him. And you know what the point of this message is? Surrender is the place of spiritual health and emotional freedom. 
That's all I'm saying today. I'm just coming at it from a different direction. I could have taught this from just obedience side. Surrender is the place of emotional health and spiritual freedom. It's surrendering to God. It's trust. And we're going to see that. We're going to go to Matt, back to Matthew 26. We're going to see how that story ended. You saw how it began, right? Jesus in Garden of Gethsemane. He's with his disciples. He's got community. He's sorrowful and he's troubled. And so here's where I want to take this. Three things that, that I want to teach you that I've been walking through the last two years. What I'm sharing is really what I learned the last two years. I'm teaching what I need right now. And the first thing I want, to, I want to share with you is you have to learn to feel what you feel. And the culture you live in has told you, rub some dirt on it. Come on, son. Walk it off. I mean, that's what I heard. I was in the South, so that's how I heard it. That's just water under the bridge. And I'm like, yeah, but the water goes somewhere. Boys don't cry. Jason, listen, boys don't cry. Get out there. No one's going to hold your hand. I wish somebody did. And my wife would appreciate that. Have you ever been around somebody that's emotionally immature? Scary. My wife does. You got to know, you got to feel. Now, where does it come from? Guys, it comes from Scripture. Have you read the book of Psalms? I mean, a lot of Christians push against this stuff, and I did too, so I, I understand. But have you read the book of Psalms? There's a book called Lamentation. Do you know what that is? That's an emotion. The book of Psalms. God, uh, you are my help. You are my refuge. And I'm saying, God, you know, you're my help in times of trouble. No, oh, Lord, our Lord. You know, it's all that scripture that comes out of there, it's lamentation. It's crying. Where are you? What are you doing? I am fearful, I am scared, I am hurt, I am alone, I feel guilt, I feel shame. And guess what? They do it in God's presence. Go read Psalm 88 and say, what do you do with that? Psalm 88 is a psalm of despair. God knows the despair of the human heart and he welcomes it in his presence. Do you know what to feel? Do you know how to feel? Watch this, verse 37. Again, Matthew 26, verse 37. And taking with him Peter... And this is Matthew recording, okay? So Matthew's got to make a choice. What am I going to talk about? Notice this is what he chooses to talk about. Verse 37, taking Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began, Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now, if that detail didn't matter, he wouldn't have told us. He would have just said, hey, you know what? He went to the garden, he was sad. Bad stuff happened. But he pushes into it. He pushes into it. And he tells us, what we need to know. And here's why. Do you know what you need? Most of us don't. The reason you don't know what you need is you don't know what you feel. And all I got to do is go look at a little kid. Little kids go from feeling to need like that because they haven't been shut down. Someone in your life shut you down. Someone in your life says, don't bring me your fear because you're making me afraid. So go take care of that. And when you come back, I'll talk to you. Go take your shame somewhere else. Go take your guilt somewhere else. Go take your hurt somewhere else. Your feelings will tell you what you need. I want to show you this. If you guys can put that first slide up there, feelings and needs. On the left side of this, you're going to see eight feelings. 
There's nothing wrong with those feelings. I know you look at them you think there's only one that's good. <laughs> right? You thought that. There's only one that's good. No, they're all good. Because they're all supposed to lead you to loving God and loving neighbor. If, if you're hurt and you don't admit it, guess what you don't get? What does it say? You're not going to be healed. How many of you are not healed? No one said, I am so sorry for what happened to you. That was wrong. What if your father did that, your mother did that? 30 years of counseling just went away. You don't need counseling, right? Your brother, cousin. Hey, I'm sorry what happened to you. Has that ever happened? Anybody in here give a testimony of being healed by somebody just simply saying that? Anybody? Can anybody say that so the people that doubt me know what I'm talking about? Okay, somebody is. I'm lonely. Listen, right now up here, I am so lonely. This is a lonely place. What do I want? Intimacy. What's intimacy? Into me see. Do you see me? And do you accept me? I'm not going to have intimacy unless I admit I'm lonely. I'm not going to feel comfort unless I go, guys, I'm sad. I lost something. That's all sadness is. Hey, have you ever lost anything that matters to you? My dogs are getting old. I'm getting sad. My kid's about to go to college. I already feel that. It's like I was taught we were driving yesterday. I was like, son, you're going to college. I'm already, that bugs me. But you know what? Unless I tell him, he can't say, dad, I love you. We did this yesterday. We're driving the car. Dad, I love you. Because he knows I, I care about him and I express my sadness to him so that I get what? What did I get? I, I got comfort yesterday by my kid. That's great. That feels good. Anger. What does anger need? I need to be heard. I need you to understand I care about something. Fear. You know, the most controlling people are the most fearful people. You find somebody who rages and is in control, they are afraid of life. Yeah, that's not strength. Guys, listen, that's not strength. You are so afraid, you won't find a refuge. And I don't know if you start looking at these. Jehovah Jireh, anybody know what that is? God is my healer. God is my refuge. God is my comfort. God is my healing. God is my, if you don't know what you feel, you don't know to run to God. And see, that's the Psalms. You ignore the Psalms because you don't know what to do with your emotions. And the fact is, when you don't feel what you feel, it doesn't go away. If you guys want to show that next chart, this is what happens. You may say, hey, feelings don't affect me. No, listen. It either drives you into intimacy or it's taking you into isolation. That's all it's doing. Because if you don't hurt and you don't get healed, what's going to happen? You all know that. Do not let a root. That's an emotion, isn't it? Bitterness, revenge. I'm hurt. Nobody cares. So what are you going to do? You're going to wall yourself off. It ain't hurting me again. I'm not going to have relationships. I'm not going to be honest. Last time I was honest, this is what happened. So I'm not going to be honest again. Is that wisdom or is that from Satan? What is he? The father of lies. You won't deal with your bitterness. Scripture says root of bitterness is the root, meaning the foundation of all of these problems. You were lonely What'd you do? Instead of being honest, you pretend. That's false connection. A lot of us are performers. And I get it because I need my family to be fine. That's a lot of men. 
listen, Melissa, sons, if you guys are fine, I'm fine. Just tell me. I said to her one day, I just want you to be happy. Do you know how selfish that is of me? Do you realize the weight you put on your wife? He said, I just want you to be happy because if you're happy, guess what? I'm happy. Well, guess what? What am I telling her not to feel? Don't ever be sad, hon. Don't ever be, I'm, sh- I'm controlling her because I can't handle what she's feeling. Anger, do you see that word? Depression. Research more and more tells us that, that really what depression is, is it's a suppression of, of anger. Something matters and I can't, I can't do anything about it. Fear leads to anxiety, rage, shame, toxic shame, which is hating myself. Now, where's all this come from? Guys, this isn't self-help. This is God and walking with Christ. So let's go back to, to Matthew. And if you want to know more about this, Voice of the Heart, I got this from a guy named Chip Dodd. I stole it from him. It's not mine. So let's go back to Matthew 26. Let's go back to Matthew 26 and hopefully land this plane. Verse 37, and taking with him, again, he's in community, Jesus, Peter, and Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful. So he's, Matthew's noting that for our, our sake. It's important. Verse 38, and then what does he do? He feels, and then he tells the truth. Then he said, my soul is sorrowful. Matthew just told us that. Now Jesus is admitting it, even to death. Remain here. I need you. This is the Son of God saying, I need you you to stay with me because as the son of God I am afraid and sad that is so hard for me to do guys that's why listen if you have a hard time with this I get it I had a really hard time with this because the one thing I don't want to admit is a man is my need I do not want to admit I and certainly to another man feels so awkward but it's so it's so good I need you And some of you are kind of wrestling with that right now. Yeah, it's really awkward, isn't it? It feels wrong to some degree. But, but you know, that's how you develop close relationships. If you don't need, you won't have friendships. And if you don't need, then you won't feel. It's feeling that results in needing. Needing results in relationships. Jesus felt, and what did he do? He told the truth. He told the truth. Guys, John, I'm scared, I am afraid, I am sorrowful. And then what did he do? And this is the next step. He took it to God. The place of emotional health is surrender. Surrender to God. So watch this, verse 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, I'm not sure how much time that took. From sorrowful to troubled. We don't know how long he prayed, right? And when you read a psalm, realize that psalm is not like five minutes of somebody's life. It could be five years. Jesus went from sorrowful and troubled. And at some point in the mystery of the work of the Spirit of God, <sighs> okay, Lord, I'm, I'm giving this to you. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. I'm giving it to you, Jesus. But see, to the degree you feel it, to the degree you can give it. I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody. To the degree you feel it, to that degree I can say, you can bring it. And you can say, Lord, 
you are my healer. I have no other options. You are my refuge and my hiding place. Why is there so much passion in the scripture? I would say because there's so much feeling. And they know what they need. And then they go to God, and here's the beautiful thing. He meets your need. That's called a testimony. Church, how many of us are running to everything but God? And then how many of us need to be in a community where people can just be honest and say what's going on and no one has to say, yeah, but let me correct that for you. We love to give advice. You know why? Because we don't know what to do with what people give us. Church, this is part of discipleship. In following Jesus, heart, soul, mind, and strength, we need help. We're going to spend the next few weeks, next week's actually Greg Moore is going to be preaching. Greg's up front, one of our elders, and then I'm going to come back the following week. And if this has been helpful to you, there's a book called Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd, very, very helpful. Also, The Common Rule was a book that we mentioned last week, really helpful to build some, some habits in your life. But as we end this morning, we're going to end with communion because there's no place to take this but to, to the Lord. And what communion represents, and if you didn't grab the elements, it's okay. There's a lot of people around you that didn't. <laughs> and, and it's okay to get up. This is participatory theater. You can get up and grab those elements. But what communion is, is it reflects the gospel. That we are sinners saved by the grace of God. And listen, if Jesus was willing to die for you, he's not afraid of what's going on in your life right now. He was willing to go to the cross for your sins to receive the wrath of God upon him. Do you think he's worried about your anxiety, your fear, your sadness, your depression? No, he wants you to bring it. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And on the cross, Jesus died for our sins. And some of us just need to confess, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Maybe some of you have never trusted in Christ for the first time. Jesus, I need your forgiveness And I thank you, you died on the cross. And then he rose again. You know what that gave us? New life. His death brought us forgiveness, his righteousness. His resurrection brought us new life, the Holy Spirit in us. And some of us, as we, this morning, we just need to confess we need him. I don't know what the Lord's stirring in you, but let's take a few minutes and just invite him to minister to us. And then after the service, once the music's playing, we're gonna, a lot of us are going to head out. You can come up and be prayed for. Our prayer team's going to be up here sitting on the stage, and they will stay here just to, to pray for you and to care for you. So let's, let's spend a few moments seeking our Father together. Let's pray. Father, accept me through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Wages of sin is death. Father, I know I'm a sinner in need of grace and forgiveness. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, I need eternal life. 
And Father, we praise you for that act of surrender. But some of us need to surrender to living life on life's terms. We want to control our spouse. We want to control the world around us. We rage at the television. We listen to people who rage. We are surrounded by hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, and envy. And we fear love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because the wisdom that comes down from God is first of all purer than peace-loving, considerate, submissive, impartial, and sincere. But the poor in spirit, the merciful, the meek, the peacemakers, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, Father, we praise you because they will be filled. And we pray that filling would happen this morning in Jesus' name. As you set the captive free and we surrender those yokes of slavery, your, 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 Jesus, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it. He gave thanks. He said, take and eat for this is my body, which, which was broken for you, church. Let's do it together in remembrance of it. same way after supper he took a cup so this cup it represents the new covenant the relationship now established through his blood through his performance let us receive it together in remembrance of it